church, I am so pumped, I am so blessed, I am so excited to announce an amazing speaker. He's not the guest speaker, he's one of my closest friends. He comes from Malaysia, Penang, and his name is Zaras Bani. Hey Saros, I'm so blessed that you just make a stop here in Switzerland. You are such a gifted preacher and teacher. You are doing church for more than 20 years. You are faithful. I love your church. You are dynamic. You drive to lead people for Jesus Christ and church. Let's stand up for a moment and let's welcome Saros Pani with the biggest international applause we have ever created in our church. Come on church! All right. I, I, I love the way Leo introduced me. I suddenly feel like I'm such a great preacher and I'm going to try to live up to it. All right, you ready right now? I heard this is the best service in town. So if you are the best service in town, give Jesus a big shout at the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, come on, come on. All right, all right. Are you ready right now? Do I sound black enough for you? Because I got a few accents. Please be seated right now. Oh, before you sit down, just stand up right now. We got we to gotta do the ritual thing. I did it in two services. This is the third service. Um, this is the thing that I need you to do. I need you to give Leo, uh, Leo a clap. A clap. And then, wait, wait, wait. Let's do it together. I'm, I'm Malaysian. I need to do everything proper. It's like the Swiss thing. Everything has to be proper. And even when they're late, they're on time. Okay, so, and then we're going to give um, Susanna two claps. All right, one for Leo, because he was so angry on stage just now, and two for Ilana. Ah, uh, sorry, not Ilana, Susanna. I'm, I'm, I'm talking too much about Ilana this week. Okay, we stop talking about her. She's somebody I don't know. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yeah. One for Leo, two for Susanna. Are you ready? At the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Why, <laughs> somebody clapped three times. It must be somebody who's already signed up for the ladies' lounge. I'm ready to go. All right, please be seated right now. I want to thank you for having me. You're both your pastors are brave and fearless to have me. So if you didn't get that joke, I said in the first two services, no, uh, second service, nobody got it. You brave the ladies' lounge, fearless next year's conference. It speaks of your both your speakers, your church pastors. They are wonderful people. You got to respond. You know, first service, I could understand there were a bunch of spiritual people that only wanted to hear spiritual thing. The second service, they could not understand English, so I don't know what my translator said. But this is an international service. You got to respond to me. At the count of three, respond. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, that's good. So can I be me? I can't be anybody else. All right. Do you understand my English? I've got another one. If you want to hear that also. I can speak in English here. If you can understand it, we will speak it. If it's okay, I'm okay. You okay? I'm okay. Are you ready? The, you want the first one or the second one? Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> the first one, second one is much harder to talk. All right, are you ready right now? Not your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look hot. If your neighbor is not talking to you, ignore them. They are not part of this church. Look at your another neighbor and say, neighbor. Say, neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. I just told a lie. You are hotter. <laughs> All right, here we go right now. This afternoon, I want to talk to you about facing storms of life. Facing the storms of life. But more than that, I want you to know all of us are going to face storms in life. The issue is this. Are you going to faith 
through a storm? Are you going to faith through a storm? I know faithing through a storm is a bad title. It's bad English, but it makes my sermon sound so right. Faithing through a storm is a series of sermons that I preach in my speech, but I want to, I want to talk about this one, ser- one sermon. Faith through the storm. See, faith is more than now. It's also a verb. That means faith is active. That means faith does something in your life. And when I talk about storm, I, I, I somehow or another get this feeling. A lot of us, when we start to become a Christian and we start coming to church, we have this mindset somehow that just because we're followers of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, there will be no problems in life. If you are one of those international people who came from another country and you are resident in this country and you, have, you, you, you had a choice to come to one service and you chose this service, Because this is the hardest service. At five o'clock, people will be having supper. But you chose to come to church to honor God and you came early. You participated in church. You paid your tithe. And just because you paid your tithe, you participated in church and you came to early and you're a foreigner like me. You think somehow or another you are in Switzerland, you are immune to the storms of life. But I want to tell you something None of us are immune from the storms of life. In fact, I want to tell you, God sometimes brings storms into our life. Sometimes Jesus, just because you follow Jesus, you're going to experience storms in life. There are going to be financial storms in your life and some of you are going through. There are going to be relationship storms. There are going to be emotional storms and some of you are going through a physical storm. Some of you, your marriage is in trouble. Some of you, your children are going through a difficult time. Some of you, the bank is calling you not for a job. Credit Suisse. It's calling you and says, you know what? You're not paying your bills. And I want to tell you, no matter what storm you're going through right now, it doesn't mean that God does not love you. Just because you're going through a storm, it's not that God has forgotten you. Just because you're going through a problem or a difficult situation or crisis, doesn't mean God has forsaken you. It is the very opposite. It is about God showing you how real He is in your life. And this afternoon, we're going to look at a passage of the Bible that's found in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 36. Can you, are you following me? Am I speaking too fast? If I'm speaking too fast, hear faster. Are you ready? Here we go. I've got a clock, short clock, 30 30 minutes. Here we go. Let's go. Mark chapter 4. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4. Verse 35 to 36. If you don't have a Bible, look at your neighbor and make sure they have a Bible. And if they don't have a Bible, ask them why they did not bring a Bible to church. Are you ready right now? Here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. If you found it, say yes. If you now find it, I'm going to read it. Just look at the screen. It says there, Then the day came when evening came. He said to his disciples, I want you to underline the word, let us. Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. They made sure Jesus came along. Because Jesus had a knack of suggesting things and not going with them. And just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. So I want you to catch the image, the scenario right now. Jesus, after a busy day of ministry, after a busy week of ministry, Jesus suggests to his disciples, Hey bro, we've been working hard. You know what? We need to take a sunset cruise across the Sea of Galilee. We need to take a sunset cruise. And it's a one, three hour journey from one end of the lake to the other end of the lake. It's 14, minute, miles, uh, 14 miles wide and seven miles wide. Either way. So. And so just remember this. It's three and a half hours. The lake was shaped like a harp. So they were started the journey. And 
Jesus was in the boat. Everybody was in the boat. One and a half hour, about an hour and a half in the journey, something began to happen. And verse 38 says this. He's, verse 37, he says this. A furious call came up and the waves broke over the boat so they were nearly swamped. One and a half hours into the journey, all of a sudden a storm hits them. It was not one, one small insibility little storm that happens on the Lake Toon. This was a real big storm. And it was so big that the Bible says water was coming over. Now, I'm, I'm reading this passage and all of my mind, my mind begins to think, okay, okay. Did Jesus know when he suggested this idea that he's about to get the disciples into a storm? Did Jesus know they're about to hit a storm in the middle of the journey? And the answer is yes. Jesus knew they got encountered the storms. How many of us in life have asked the question, Jesus, did you know when I did this? Jesus, when you, did you know when I promised this that I'm going to get into a difficult situation? See, most of us conclude, Jesus, when we get into problems in life, that we have concluded that Jesus doesn't know. But I want you to know Jesus knew everything. When he suggested he knew they were about to hit the storm. Then my next question is this. Why would Jesus, knowing there's going to be a storm in the middle of the lake, would allow his disciples to get in the boat and go, doesn't he care? Doesn't he care? Why would Jesus, knowing that we're going to hit a difficult situation, allow us to go through a journey that he has directed in? Why would Jesus do that to us? Why would Jesus do that to his 12 closest people, 12 of his closest friends, his disciples, his followers. Why would Jesus do that? Because Jesus wanted them to learn something in life that they will learn much more, I mean, they will experience much more many, many times in life. This one thing, it is all about faith and where your faith is. It is all about focus and where your focus is. In life, you're going to hit storms and there are going to be many storms. The question is this, where your focus is going to be determines your success. It determines your deliverance. It determines something greater in life. Because if your focus is on the storm, I promise you, the storms of life will drown you. But if your focus is on Jesus, something miraculous, miraculous can happen. I want you to know this. All of us will go through storms. Some of you just came out of a storm recently. Some of you are in a storm right now. Some of you, I want to prophesy, you don't know what a storm is, but I want to tell you it's coming to you right now. Receive it in Jesus' name. A storm is coming whether you like it or not. All of us are going to face problems and tribulation and difficulties and crises in life. The issue is not whether we're going to face it or not. The issue is this, how are you going to respond to those storms? How are you going to respond to those crises? How are you going to respond to the situation when the waves keep beating against your boat, when the water is coming against you and you are about to drown? What's your response? See, I realized something about storms in life, especially the ones that God leads you into, especially the ones where Jesus says, I'm directing you, go in that direction. And you step in that direction and you're walking in that direction and all of a sudden things go wrong. See, there's the thing about storms that we need to understand. Storms are most of the time tests. Storms are a test of our faith. 
It's a test of our focus. It's a test. Do we believe in Jesus when times get bad, when times get difficult? When do we believe in Jesus when we're obeying God and things doesn't work? Do you continue to believe Jesus? It's just a test of your faith. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in school, they will, they will have this once or twice a year, they will have this thing called the emergency fire drill. Do you have this in, in this country? I mean, we, we have, and most of you, I think Zurich has no fire. And, and in the emergency fire drill, the teacher will come up to you on Monday and says, this week we are going to have a fire drill. And you're waiting anxiously because that's the highlight of the week. You're getting ready. And then Monday comes, there's no fire drill. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's no fire drill. By now, you know Friday is the fire drill. You are in class and you are sitting down and you are pretending to pay attention to the class. And all of a sudden, the alarm goes off. Cring! And then you hear the sweetest words that ever could come out from your teacher's mouth. God, boys, I go to all boys school. Leave your books and your bag two by two, walk out. And you walk out. You are like the animals going into the ark. And you walk out and you reach to the end when the edge of the field and you turn around and disappointment sets ill. The school is still there. Why? It was just a drill, a test. Every storm in life is just a test. It's a test of your faith. It's a test of your focus. And Jesus told the disciples, guys, I'm taking you to the other side, but he didn't tell them they're going to go through a test. He didn't tell them I'm going to be there, but your focus is going to be not on me, but on something else. Or saying that, I remember Jesus got into the boat. I remember Jesus was the one that suggested, hey, bro, we're tired. Let's take a sunset cruise. Right? Bible said it. They made sure Jesus was in the boat. The Bible said it. I mean, we're in the midst of a storm. Bro, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? The Bible says, this is the funny thing. Verse 38. Jesus was on, in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Sleeping. Jesus, we're going through a storm and you're sleeping. And the writer Luke wrote the word cushion. That means he was comfortably sleeping. Now, I'm, 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 I'm the disciple, and I'm, re, I'm going through the fact, I'm reading this, and I'm already pretty upset. I don't know whether I'm upset whether Jesus was suggested, let's take a cruise. I'm, I'm just sleeping through the storm. I don't know which is what makes me more angry about Jesus. I'm pretty upset with, how in the world could you sleep through a storm? But Jesus was sleeping. Here's the question. Jesus, don't you know we're going through a storm? Why did you suggest that? What, what, why are you not doing anything about it? Why are you not calming the storm? Why are you not getting up? And I think that that's the things that went through the mind of the disciples when they saw Jesus in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And it's dawned on me at that point in time, the silence of his presence in the midst of the storm does not mean the absence of his power to calm the storm. 
just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's powerless. It's a lot of times when we go through difficult situations and we realize Jesus directed us, we're following Jesus, and all of a sudden, while following Jesus, we hit into a snag, we hit into a problem, we hit into a crisis. Our mindset is, Jesus, how could you be silent in that storm? You should be doing something. Jesus, you should respond to the storm. You should do something. And I'm wondering, the disciples, they were not no rookies. They were not Swiss people going to Malaysia fishing on a large sea. They've been, they've been fishermen for a while. Peter, Andrew, James, they were all fishermen. They had some experience. I think the reason Jesus was sleeping was because they were not calling on Jesus yet. They were not responding to Jesus yet because all of them were trying to do what they can do with their strength, with their ability. They were trying to, you know what, let's take out a bucket, let's take the water and pour it out. They throw one bucket of water out and four buckets comes in. They try to trim the sail, they try to do everything, nothing seems to work. When their resources had run out, their experience doesn't work, their capacity is nothing compared to the storm. All of a sudden, they realize that Jesus is in the boat. Isn't it true at our wit's end, that's when we start looking for Jesus? Isn't it true when, when we are, most of us in this room, when we're going through a crisis, our first solution, our first response to the situation is this, I got this. We only call Jesus when we can't handle it. Finally, the disciples realized Jesus was in the boat. They forgot all about it. Suddenly called out to Jesus. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Have you ever been in a situation where you turn around and you tell God, God, don't you care? I mean, none of us will say it out loud, but we can think it. We feel it a lot of times. When we're going through a difficult situation and the situation is bigger than us, the crisis is greater, the problem is too big, the illness is incurable, your marriage is going to end up in divorce. At that point in time, how many of us have said, God, don't you care? God, don't you care that I'm going through this situation? I thought you were a loving God. Don't you care? I want you to know God does care. And sometimes God allows us to carry the burden because he wants to do something greater in our lives. Sometimes God doesn't respond very early. It's because we haven't recognized his power. Sometimes God waits to show you you need him in your life. See, the thing about God is this. The Bible says God will not tempt you beyond what you can resist. God will not tempt you beyond what So when you're going through a weakness in your life, sin in your life, and God is trying to show you that's an area, when you come to the point, God will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. If you fall into temptation, if you fall into sin, it has nothing to do with God, but everything to do with you. But here's the thing I want you to learn about this lesson. is this. But when it comes to adversity and trouble, God will allow you to be burdened to the point where you realize you cannot fix the problem yourself. God will allow you to go through that situation until you realize you cannot handle it. How many times when you got a sniffle in the morning, your first thing you go is to get the Panadol, the flu medicine. 
You see, most of us will never ask Jesus, Jesus, heal me first. Because all this, what we first taught is this, I got this in the name of Panadol. But then, three days later, one week later, it gets worse and worse and worse, and then you realize it's not getting better. Jesus, heal me. Why didn't we come in the name of Jesus earlier? Because all of us have this attitude about life and storm. We try to do everything by ourselves, even though Jesus is with us. Every one of us wants to do things our way, even though God is in our life. Isn't it true? This is us. This is human nature. This is the fallen nature of man. See, when it's life, when it's life, when life is unbearable, when life is unmanageable, when life is uncontrollable, then only we start to look to Jesus. That's the nature of human being. In fact, Paul said this in 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. It says, we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So we are despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt like we have received a death sentence. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. See, why God allows us to go through that situation, even though He's in our life, is because He wants to show you that you're many times, your strength is not in Him. You do not rely on Him. And God allows you to go to the point where you cannot handle it anymore. When the stress is too great, when the problem is too big, the, the amount is unmanageable, and all of a sudden you come to the place, you start to look for God. You start to look for God. It is at that point in time, you cry out, Jesus. You cry out, Jesus. And that's why God gave us a name that is so powerful, a name that is so great, that at His name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. At His name, sicknesses will be healed. At His name, demons will flee. At His name, war will come down. At His name, roads will appear. He gave us a name so powerful. His name is Jesus. And we have that name, and yet we do not rely on that name. Most of us, we like to, I, I like to rely on myself. Because at the end of the day, I could say, you know what? I had a problem and I solved it. Sometimes God allows bad things to happen in our life, trouble and difficulties and crisis and problem so that our reliance will not be focused on us. No matter how skilled you are, no matter how experienced you are, no matter how much resource you have, you will start to realize that your resources, your experience, your skill is nothing compared against the storm that is coming to you and all you have is a name. It's just one name, and his name is Jesus. See, I learned something a long time ago. The end of man is the beginning of God. When you have come to yourself and everything you have done doesn't work. When you have failed and failed and failed and failed. When you have tried to do, you have seen every doctor you can see. You have done everything possible and you are at that yet. God says, I'm ready to take over. I'm ready to take over. Are you ready? Are you ready? And the funny thing is this. The Bible says Jesus was asleep in the storm. I mean, what kind of person can sleep through a storm? I mean, it's not a rocking boat. It's not a lullaby. It's not like the storm is la 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 today. The wave will not push, push. The wind was not, ooh. This was a storm. Everything was messed up. How could Jesus sleep through a storm? And I, I realized three things about Jesus. 
Number one, Jesus was human. He was tired. For somebody to sleep through a storm must be somebody who's really tired. Have you ever slept through a moving train? I have. I think the Swiss people don't sleep. They don't have fire, they don't sleep. The second thing is this. I realized something about Jesus. Be, Jesus possessed this sense of tranquility inside of him that no human could understand. They were going through the storm. He was going through the storm with them. He directed them and he had a sense of tranquility. But there's a third thing I realized about Jesus and this is the thing that really made me stood up and say, Jesus, you are awesome. The third thing is this. Jesus knew he was in control of the storm. He was in control of the storm. Because Jesus knew something. That night, there were two storms. There were two storms that were happening. The first storm was the external storm that everybody was experiencing. But it's the second storm that only the disciples were experiencing. So the second storm was an inner turmoil, an inner fear, an inner doubt that they're going to be safe. See, Jesus realized something. In life, there are going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of storms. You're going to face storms. If you get out one storm, you're going to get into a storm. If you are in a storm, you're going to get out. You're going to get into another storm. You don't know what a storm is. You're about to be hit by one. Very... The problem is not the storms of life. The problem is how do you handle the storms of life? The inner storm is more powerful than the outer storm. The inner storm can stop you dead on your tracks and cause you not to move. The inner storm inside of you will cause you to retreat when life throws something at you. The inner storm. See, most of us are not afraid of the bank, but what we're afraid of, something happens inside of us. See, they didn't say, Jesus, don't you care we are about to drown? Are we, about, we are hit a storm. They said, Jesus, don't you care we are about to drown? There's a difference. The disciples knew there's going to be storms. But this time they realized they're going to die. And all of a sudden they start to have fear in their heart. That's why when Jesus gets up and he looks around and he goes up to the edge of the boat and he goes, shh. I, I, my Jesus is very different from your Jesus. My Jesus just acts. He goes, shh. Stop. And he says, why do you have no faith? Why do you fear? Because Jesus knows as soon as he leaves one day, they're going to face many storms. They're going to be punished. They're going to be crucified. They're going to be thrown in jail. They're going to be beaten. But the thing is this. Do they have the inner calm to go through every storm? Do they have the inner peace to find rest when they go through difficult situations? Knowing God has your back. Many years ago, I went fishing. I love fishing. And I'm not talking about the lake fishing. I'm talking about sea fishing. In Malaysia, there's one lake. It's called the Indian Ocean. It's a pretty big lake. And one day, I decided to go fishing. And my fishing was this. I bought a brand new deep sea rod and reel. This was my favorite thing. It was a brand new thing. So I decided, you know what? I want to go fishing. So my friend and I went fishing. We got our boat, man. We got on the boat. And instead of going into the deep, he went about a few hundred, about 50 to 100 meters from the shore and we were catching small, small fish. 
and I was not happy because I got a brand new rod and reel. I wanted to test it. So being the man of God, I said to him, launch into the deep. Paraphrasing. And then the boatman responded faithlessly and said, there's a storm coming. I looked around and saw the clouds were clear as this. The man of God has spoken. Launch into the deep. We went into the deep. One hour into the sea. One hour into the sea, I reached there. I took out my brand new rod and reel, put a huge weight to it, dropped it down to the middle of the ocean. It went down and it started floating like that. So the current was very strong. About 15, 10, 15 minutes into my fishing, I realized the storms were coming. I started to roll up my reel because the man of God suddenly said, it's time to go back. I rolled up my rod and reel, I put everything in the boat and we were heading back to the shore. Half an hour into the journey, half an hour, the storm caught up with us. And it was not those little lake storms that you have. It was a huge storm. The wind was blowing, the rain was coming down, the waves were high. I was, being the pastor, I was holding on to the pole at the back of the boat, facing the back. And all of a sudden, at one point, all I could see was sea in front of me, sea on my left and sea on my right. And then the next thing I did was this. The Bible says, no turning back. I turned around and I faced this direction. And the next moment as the boat went up, all I saw was sky, sky, sky. The boat was going up and push, up and push. And I started to pray. And my prayer was this, God, don't let me die. If I die, Penang is not going to have revival. If I die, there's going to be no church. If I die, many people are going to go to hell. That was my prayer. And somewhere along the line, I just said, Jesus, try to calm the storm. I was holding on for my dear life and I was afraid and I was fearful because I thought I was about to die. And I, was, I opened my eyes, I saw the sky and I was like, God, at the, at the very moment, I looked down and I saw my boatman in the middle of the boat. Calm. With a cigarette in his hand. And I was standing there and I said, Heathen! Doesn't he know the man of God is about to die? How could he be so calm? I was angry at my boatman because he was calm. Because doesn't he know I'm afraid? Doesn't he know I could die? Doesn't he know? And all of a sudden with all those thoughts in my mind, something dawned on me. This is not his first storm. He's calm because he's been through many storms. He has gone through storms that are bigger than this and he has made it to the other side. He's not worried because he knows He's got this. And I'm standing there, I suddenly realize He knows something that I don't know. And I need to trust Him. I need to trust Him. At that point in time, I took three of the greatest steps of faith. Three of the most powerful steps of faith. I let go of the pole, took step one, step two, step three and I slide next to him. I sat down. 
of a sudden, when I was sitting beside him, there was a calm that came inside of me. The storm has not changed. The wave has not changed. The wind has not changed. The rain has not let down. But I was calm. Because all of a sudden, I know that this man, the captain of the ship, knows what he's doing. And he knows how to get me to the shore. All I need was to relax and trust Him. The, calm didn't, the storm didn't calm. We'd reached the, the shore. We were okay. See, the thing I learned is this. It's not about the storms that are around you. It is about the inner storm of your life. If your faith is not strong in God, if your faith is not focused on Jesus in the storms, you know what? The next storm you're going to act just like this storm. Faithless, fearful, doubtful, scared to death. But now you realize there is a Jesus in your life and He's sitting at the center of your life and He's got control of your boat. Shouldn't He be the focus? Shouldn't He be the one that you look to and says, Jesus, I know you led me this far. I know you're going to get me through. And no matter how great the storm is, Jesus, I know that you are in control. And Jesus, no matter what's happening around me, no matter what people are saying, Jesus, I know your peace is more than enough for me. I believe. I believe. See, Jesus didn't save you from hell so that you can suffer in fear. He saved you to tell you, I've got your back. I didn't just save you to show you life. I saved you to show you eternity. I just didn't save you so that you can go through life and be fearful and doubtful. I saved you to see, show you I'm always with you. I will never forsake you. I'm always there. And all you got to do is look to me. If you notice in your life, when, when you're going through a crisis in your situation, your marriage is breaking apart, your children are going away, your bank is after you, you have an illness that cannot be cured and doctor cannot diagnose it, and you're going through a situation that's unmanageable, unbearable, impossible. And you come into this room and in the atmosphere where God is, you come and say, Jesus, I know I have so many problems, but today I choose to look at you you realize at that point in time something happens on the inside of you nothing on the outside change something on the inside change you start to say Jesus I know how much you love me because I can feel it I can see you you are in control you are the Lord you are the Savior I find rest in your peace. <sighs> wow. That's the Jesus we say. That's the Jesus that loves us. That's the Jesus that says, I'm here in the midst of your storm. And I want to tell you, I may be silent, but I'm not powerless. My silence is there to tell you I'm ready to work in your life and in the situation.
before I do anything around you, I need to do something in you. Jesus. Jesus. Kind of fun, right? You got a Savior who loves you, who is with you, and He's for you. And no matter what you're going through, He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to say, I love you. I've got your back. Trust me. Trust me. Can we all just bow our heads and close our eyes? We just want to pray. But before I pray, I want to ask you this question. Are you here because there's somebody invited you? Are you here because you said, Jesus, I need you in my life? Because if you're here because you want Jesus in your life and you want Jesus to do something powerful, in a few minutes, we're going to start worshipping God. I don't know how your response has been in the past, but this evening, I want you to make Jesus your focus. Don't look at your friend, don't look at the front, don't look at the back, don't look at anybody. Just look to Jesus. He's in this room. And the thing is this, you don't have to shout. He's just a whisper away. It's just a call away. And all you got to do is say, Jesus, I need you right now. You know my storm. You know my situation. I need you. And the peace from heaven that surpasses all understanding, the presence that came 2,000 years ago, will not only fill this place, but fill your soul. Father, I bless every single person in this room. Lord, I pray that you will bless them with the knowledge that you are always with them, but greater still with the presence of your love that they will know you're doing something great in their lives, something powerful. I bless them and I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain. I'm going to stand and I'm going to sing again, sing again, sing again. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your potential and fear always wants to limit you. But every everlasting change starts with the Word of God. The Word of God has a power in it like nothing else. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder, when you are facing an area where you're super afraid. Pray, grab, hold, face. And please, 
Danke, Ivan.